Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the show that takes a look at film, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. Hello, I'm Shannon Miller, the managing editor of Creativity, Creator Economy, and DEI, and we have a fantastic episode for you today. It is a few weeks after we've announced the best ads of 2022. And because I am not over it, I have invited some of my favorite people to talk a little bit about that and possibly the future of creativity. So first and foremost, we have Jessa Ferris, the audience engagement director and longtime friend of the show. Jess, hello. Hello, hello. So excited to be here for the most wonderful time of the year, which is when we get to go back and watch a bunch of ads. I agree, and we cannot tell Jameson Fleming because I literally just got done saying that Agency of the Year was our favorite time of the year. Um, So don't tell him. That is a secret between us that it is actually this. This is our favorite time of the year. But we do very much love Agency of the Year as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And joining me is my favorite partner in crime, Europe Creative Editor, Brittany Kiefer. Brittany, welcome back. Thank you. I also agree this is the best time of the year. Jameson's going to write me a strongly worded DM. (laughs) It is. I mean, you know, we are ad week. We enjoy watching ads and getting an opportunity to rank some of the best creativity of the year is a very, very hard task. So hard um, that we allotted an hour to go through general deliberations and it took us four. <laughs> it took us four hours yes. to go painstakingly through. Brittany, can you talk a little bit more about our very fun process? Yeah, well, it actually was very fun because we got to revisit a lot of ads from the year. And it was difficult because we were going through ads from all over the world and not just traditional film, but also experiential and different different types of campaigns too so really hard to narrow it down it was and you know we tried to use sort of like ads of the day as a as a jumping off point but there was so much not only um so much outside of that but just so much that we didn't get to catch in the year because everyone fire hoses creativity all year round it's impossible to be able to catch it all in real time but when we get to learn about something that we may not have um, caught the first time around. That's also its own bit of joy. Uh, Jay-Z, did you have a favorite ad this year? Like a favorite um, ad that you just kept gravitating towards personally? 
Oh, that's so hard to decide. I think probably, I mean, we started out on a really strong note. And I think the one that resonates with me the most in terms of like cultural importance and uh, otherwise excellence is Jeep's Earth Odyssey. Because, I mean, it's just so cool to see mm-hmm. a brand making accessibility sexy. That was um, a bit of a wonderful surprise because I remember getting the ad and no one telling me at first that, you know, it's it's all in the caption. So usually um, in our household, we really rely on captions between um, just our hearing and um, just general understanding and making sure that we're grasping all the details. Um, captions are always on in our home. But for that one, the captions weren't on for me. So it was all I saw was just singing animals. And I was just like, <laughs> I feel like we've, we've done this before. Been, like, <laughs> this symphony, I was like, I'm not understanding. Like, what's happening here? Griner's like, no, turn the captions on. <laughs> and then when I did, I was like, oh, this is actually the best thing I've seen thus far. Like, it was so, so good. And it ranked really high on our list. It was actually our second ad out of the 30 that we honored. And going to that number, Brittany, can we talk a little bit more about why we went to 30 this year as opposed to 25? Well, I think because we we wanted to capture every all the range of work and like I said it was hard to narrow it down so we were really debating whether we keep it at 25 or go to 30 and then we ended up deciding to expand the list and we thought that was fair because it was a global list and such a wide range throughout the year that it was hard to just keep it to 25. Yeah like I I usually um I'm I'm hard on uh, platforms that do these sort of sweeping lists to avoid making hard decisions. So, <laughs> like, it's like, oh, we have the 100 best. I'm like, is it 100? Did was were there really 100 phenomenal uh, pieces of candy this year? Like, maybe <laughs> you could narrow it down. Like, you have to at some point make hard decisions. But when we narrow, when we did narrow down and like cull down this long, long list. And it got down to like the bottom five. I was like, I can't let these go because they have such deep significance for what they're um, providing. Like, for instance, like Big Boy House from Majority for Realtor.com, the huge, the cultural significance of that, of one, having something that um, focuses on um, Black home ownership and having that base in Atlanta as opposed to something like LA or New York was pretty killer. And then like convincing big boy to do an ad. Cause that man does not do ads. Um, was pretty incredible. And it kind of showed the kind of cultural cachet that majority is really building in this industry. So I was like, we're just going to bump this to 30. Cause <laughs> there was just no way between that. And some of the other strategies that, um, really killed this year, we just, I just couldn't let it go. Um, there that was, was a ad. theme of our discussion. We just couldn't let things go. We really yeah. care. I want the listeners to know we really cared. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah, really you know, did. I'm here for it. I, I got to watch more ads, which, you know, I love doing. And Big Boy House definitely needed be, to be on there for all of the reasons you mentioned. And you know I love a little wordplay. So, excellent. Yes. <laughs> and he really leaned into that by, like, poking fun at his name a little. Like, it was just... I don't know. There's also just something about watching like rap legends that you've grown up with just kind of like settle into like their new older image. And it's nice to 
have like again just one of outcasts like developed me as a person so getting to <laughs> he see raised him, you <laughs> like big boy and andre 3000 raised me unknowingly <laughs> and just sort of see them in like this new era and just see like how much they still resonate with audiences i think is really touching they're so relatable you know like i bought a i bought a house earlier this year and i like ran Mm -hmm. around the house being like that's my thing that i have now it's mine yay you know and that's that's real like i can't i think i freaked out on instagram when i moved into this apartment and i'm like oh my god adult light fixtures this is so (laughs) nice modern touches what about that look at me like it's a it really did touch on this sort of like global understanding of what it means to move into the next phase of your life and it was just really really well done Mm -hmm. there was another ad that we we i guess we couldn't let go of i have such mixed feelings about it um Brittany, what was the one ad that really like caused a stir with oh, us. I see what you did there with the wordplay. Um, so I <laughs> threw into the mix Ocean Sprays. <laughs> I think the official title is Power Your Holidays. Yes. But we like to call it Jiggle because that's what happens in the ad. The cranberry sauce on the table jiggles and then it overtakes the entire family sitting around the table with a very violent jiggling as well. I liked no, it because it's an audio medium, but as you may not know, I am jiggling right now just because it's that <laughs> it's that powerful. So I liked it because it's very different for the brand. It's funny and silly, and it gets stuck in your head. And that's exactly what happened. We went away over the weekend. We weren't sure if it was going to make the list. We came back back on Monday, and Shannon was like, "I need to talk to you." <laughs> <laughs> Can we have a meeting? <laughs> it originally was not on the list. It, it, it wasn't. And it's, it, I personally don't feel like any sort of animosity towards the ad. I just didn't get it at first. Like, I understood the, <laughs> the the strategy. I kind of, like, understood, like, what they were trying to do. Because there is, this is a tentpole brand. And in terms of, like, the cranberry spot sauce specifically, it is a long-standing Thanksgiving tradition. And, um... You just don't necessarily think that there's a lot to revamp there. Like, is is anyone really coming for the slot, for her ocean spray slot and cranberry sauce? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> um, so it's like, you don't think that there's a necessity to necessarily, like, not, it's not a rebrand, but there isn't, like, a strong necessity to, like, reclaim your your presence culturally. But they still faced a challenge that a lot of brands face which is how do you connect with younger audiences the big question is always how do you connect with gen z like how do you as a brand that um you know has been around forever like how do you kind of like reinvent your image in that moment and i just don't know that i would have directly gone into people violently shaking at a a dinner table (laughs) like i saw it once and i was like that's fun and then you know went about it but it's a really good strategy it was offbeat, and also the ad world loved it. Like they freaking loved it. What was the engagement on? Do you remember off the top of your head, Jay Z, what the engagement was on that one? Oh, I couldn't give you numbers, but it was fully viral. And like I loved it too because you know Ocean Spray is it, it's weird. Like it's not used to being weird as fuck. Like that's that's a very weird yeah. ad. Like, and we heard from <laughs> we talked to Ocean Spray's CEO a couple of years ago. He was very smart, also very traditionally minded, and uh, and like. 
remembering around that time, it was the uh, Nathan Apodaca moment with Fleet, Fleetwood Mac's dreams where there was this viral mm-hmm. TikTok trend where everyone was going around on um, skateboards drinking cranberry mm-hmm. uh, or cranberry juice. And like the whole brand was just politely mystified at their sudden virality on a platform that they had not done <laughs> And they had no idea what to do with it next. And we're just like, cool, this is awesome. So I'm loving that out of nowhere. They just go balls to the wall surreal. Amazing. Yeah, like it's, it is like this brand, this sort of like beloved family brand. I don't want to like, I don't know, I don't want to be like reductive, but they just kind of like remind me of like the sweet, kind relative that like, you know, they're always there. They're reliable. They're dependable. And you don't necessarily think that, you know, they need to like prove themselves in any way. So for them to sort of be indoctrinated into virality um, accidentally and then go for it on in a more purposeful sense and still win there, I think that it shows a lot of potential for what we could probably see from them in the future, not to um, heap that kind of pressure on them on the air and put them on the spot. But This it, is it very much the spawn of David Kolbush, who's the new creative leader of their new agency, Orchard and the director, Jeff Lowe, and they're longtime collaborators, and everything they've made together has that reaction of, like, that's weird. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I'm going to need them to tackle some of my other pantry staples, like King Arthur Flower yeah. and, like, Don, Just, like, somebody drizzling themselves with Don soap or something like that. <laughs> Can you imagine... Can you suddenly imagine if, like, Dawn Soap with the Duolingo route, and I'm like, why are they funny? (laughs) Why are you, why is it Dawn Soap, Scrub Daddy, (laughs) and Duolingo all of a sudden, like, the funniest folks online? Yeah, it would be really, um, I'll be really interested to see, like, how brands connect with with that sort of um, ethos next year. Um, There were just a lot of really cool additions. And I think that's something that um, me and Brittany prided ourselves on when it came to um, figuring out this list and kind of consulting outward is that we didn't just necessarily default to what was big in terms of advertising. <coughs> like there are some things on this that, um, you know, I don't know exactly how many people saw them, but they had a place in advertising. What for you, Brittany, was like your favorite unexpected entry on here, if you had one? Well, you introduced me to the Smile campaign, and maybe you can talk a bit more about that, but I hadn't seen it, but it drove huge numbers to that movie, and it was really creepy. It wasn't a traditional ad. It was just an activation out in the real world at a baseball game, right? Yeah, there were a few um, MLB games that were nationally um, televised, and they just put an actor (laughs) wearing a... Ne- um, an unmissable neon green smile shirt behind the pitcher's mound and they're just standing there creepily smiling and that's <laughs> the ad <laughs> it's just this person standing up um just smiling sort of like lingering behind the pitcher and it, it that was happening for a number of games and, and a number of like news syndications so this uh, film that was an indie film. It had a small, like a modest $17 million budget. So it wasn't like it was a high benchmark for them to meet um, in terms of like making that money back at the box office. But as we know, movie going post um, pandemic or post lockdown is extremely different 
um, than it is pre. It's harder to get people to go to theaters now. So there was a high risk there in terms of like, you know, doing something that is non um, superhero related, that is not like a major franchise and hoping to make this money back, even when it comes to a modest budget. But with this, it, because of this viral ad, I think largely because of this viral ad, this like small movie that got was that was well reviewed made $37 million worldwide during opening weekend. And that was in large part to this very viral attempt to spread awareness. And it was just really, really clever and so simple. And I'm like very curious to get into like um, Paramount's ad spend there because it, I'm sure it had to be like not nearly as large as what you would give to like a Marvel Studios. So to be like, okay, we're just gonna get two actors who have like purposely creepy smiles and then just sort of strategically place them. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And yeah, it, it did land really high for us. It landed on number six. So yeah, that, that was- Serious numbers across all social platforms. It was wildly popular on, on TikTok. And I think they did a, a TikTok stunt too, where like they got other people to like stand behind people in public places and just do that. And like, it, it fits so well with the ethos of the movie. I have no idea what whether the film is good, but the fact that they were able mm -hmm. to break the fourth wall with it and just go full multi-dimensional with their advertising is, it, it's so perfect. I haven't seen like film marketing be just that, like clicks so well in a while yeah and i think we're going to talk a little bit about trends that we might be seeing later but i really want to touch back on film marketing in particular um when we get there because i think this does this does speak to a lot of opportunity um i don't know jc was there a favorite entry that you had on the list by any chance let's see uh you mean more of an unexpected one yeah, like, was there one that, like, maybe caught you by surprise and you're like, yeah, that works? You know, I I don't necessarily, like, I've often had problems with the way PETA approaches a lot of things. Um, yeah. Because, you know, they've always leaned into shock value. Some of their, like, actual stunts that they do can be kind of damaging. Um, but they mm -hmm. dropped two ads this year. One of them is on our list, which I think it was the correct one. Um that were quite different from their usual strategy. There is shock value to it, but um, with the Octo Curse, uh, it's modeled after classic campy horror films, and it highlights the intelligence of octopuses, octopi, octopodes, um, and the ethical issues with eating <laughs> octopus. And it, it it doesn't do it by like being like showing actual films of octopuses being in terrible situations, which is what they probably would have done in the past, but instead they went very creative with it. And I thought it was a great production. It's a cool movie. And like, it's, it's just an interesting short film and it, it got my attention and did not put me off in the way that a lot of, um, their past advertising has done. Um, and it made me, it made me pay attention and listen a little bit more while also being another one of those fun, surreal ones. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to agree. Like, um, PETA, in terms of like how they promote, um, has been on my crap list for a long time because I think that a lot of the things tend to be a little bit short-sighted. I mean, when you are doing something uh, that is based on like a moral stance or, or a health stance, it can get a little tricky. And if you are not, um, if you are not enacting like cultural competency when you're crafting this stuff. You can end up, you know, pissing off a lot of folks. And they have. They've, they've done a lot of work that I would be like, I probably wouldn't have taken that approach. But more of this, more of like this just like weird conceptualizing 
and kind of like out of the box thinking when it comes to what like meeting, like the impact of meat eating would be just, it was just, it was brilliant. It was weird. And it was like, it, I think endeared me a little bit more to their purpose than sort of past effort. So I'm really curious to see like how they move um, in the future. Um, one of my, that. oh, go ahead. They did another ad um, around Thanksgiving, which was also very different from what they usually do. It was like a Pixar, Pixar style, wholesome relationship between like a little kid and a little turkey, and like they raised the turkey mm-hmm. as a pet and like best friend. And it was it was about veganism, you know, and and that approach also did not have the same level of shock value. But there is a moment in the ad that it kind of it nods and winks to their past reliance on heavy shock value where mm-hmm. I take the, um, a knife comes down on what turns out to be a block of tofu and it's like almost alarming. And then it moves back <laughs> into the wholesome tone. And I thought that was another great way to pivot into a different genre, um, in a way that like is more accessible for a broad audience. Yeah, absolutely. And a huge um, shout out to Gray London, um, by the way, for, um, helming Octocurse. That was a really really good one um one of the ones that i i i didn't expect when i was um originally pitched this for it to resonate so deeply with me but um city of new orleans did a vr campaign called plus one that um took a look at the city's like foremost culture bearers so we know we can close our eyes and put together a stereotypical uh, travel ad for New Orleans in like a second. Like, you know, it's the big band music. It's, you know, seafood gumbo. It's, you know, beignets and French Quarter and Bourbon Street. But instead of diverting to that or instead of like turning to that rather, um, they took the look at the people that fuel that image because there are everything that you touch has a specific hand that made that possible. So... Um, looking at like the Vietnamese fishmongers that um, bring in the seafood that um, the city is known for, looking at uh, the history of the drum kit and how that originated and doing that all through a VR lens. Like if you had an Oculus, it was dope. Like you were (laughs) at the table with these really cool people as I told these stories and you were literally immersed in um new orleans it was just such a great great effort from dentsu creative and you can tell it was handled with real care and it looks um at how at the direction that uh that travel marketing is taking where it's less about these glamour shots that talk about like an ideal trip and more about looking at the cultural nuance of what it means to travel to that place so Brava. I know that that was one that I don't know that a ton of people saw, but it really did look at the future of travel marketing. So I really enjoyed that one. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. 
And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Um, yeah, so there's a lot more to cover here. We are going to take a quick ad break before we do. And when we return, we will be back with Brittany and Jay-Z to talk more ads of the year. And we are back and we're talking about best ads with Brittany and Jay-Z. So obviously with 30 ads, you're going to have like your big tentpole uh, ads of the year. And, you know, in, in that respect, there are some that kind of fall off the list that you wish were on there and, and didn't quite make it. it. It just happens. It happens every year. Like this um, 30 best is not an exhaustive list of what really resonated with us. Brittany, was there an ad this year that you wish we could have added, but just there wasn't room for? Oh, yeah. There's always a few that I wish we could have added. I think this year we there were a couple of Super Bowl ads that we wanted to have on the list and it didn't end up making it. One of them was the Squarespace Sally's Seashells. I don't remember the full title. There's a lot of S's. No, it was Sally Seashells. Oh, great. Okay. So, um, yeah, we liked that one a lot. It didn't quite make the cut, but it's it was still great and a highlight of the Super Bowl. And another Super Bowl ad was Pepsi's The Call, right, Shannon? Yeah. So that was the Super Bowl halftime show teaser where it showed um, all of the Super Bowl halftime performers. So Mary J. Blige, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, um, Dr. Dre, Snoop, they were kind of converging um, at the SoFi Stadium, but it was a visual delight and it was so well rendered and like a really great um, celebration of these titans in hip hop and RB. And it was one of those that I just really, really enjoyed covering last year. And it actually like was on the list. And then we had a latecomer that really shook things up and just. <sighs> it was, you know, it happens. It happens. And I think it was like the last down like not even the 11th hour like 1201 because we had we had solidified the list um at one point it was ready to go and then we had to figure some things out and that by the way um was apple wasn't it Britt? yeah they released an ad right when we were finalizing the list or we had finally finalized the list but we're about to publish it and it's called The Greatest. I think it was number three this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a beautiful film. There's no way we couldn't include it. It's about the disability community. And it's just a really joyful representation of, of this community and a wide range of people. And it's really celebratory. And it was just so well done. So we had to get it in at, at the end of the, the wire. Yeah. So, you know, those last those last minute shakeups happen every single time. This one was like a little later than usual, but that is the the danger of deliberating a little bit early. It's like yeah. this list could like dissolve at any moment and lo and behold. So, yeah, this was just a well well-rounded list this year. There was a lot of great work out of Thailand and Taiwan. There was some excellent work um with Budweiser, Coors Light, 
Oreo with the note. That was a huge thing. And that was another, um, with the 360i, 360i was the one that did that one. Um, like McDonald's. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, McDonald's with their cactus plant flea market meal, which I did not expect that to be such <laughs> a cultural hit. But apparently after like week two, I was um, in LA and I was uh, visiting or had lunch with a friend and she let me know that she could not get a hold of any of the toys of the cactus plant, the special cactus plant um, figurines because that meal was selling out like hotcakes. So I didn't even get my hands on one by the time. Yeah, they were and like nothing ever sells out in Clearwater, Florida. I usually do not have a, I usually do not have a problem. I cannot get my hands on that thing. And that was just due to a really, really excellent strategy. And um, yeah, and as Brittany can attest, one of my favorite ads of the year was um, <laughs> First Choice Metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I have to count the R's and I'm always like off, I think it's like seven or seven, six or seven <laughs> R's there. <laughs> I remember when I covered that, I think it was in February, which feels like a different year. Yeah. But as soon as I published it, you messaged me and you were like, this will be one of our best ads of the year. <laughs> yeah, I knew in February, I was like, nothing is beating this. It was just, it was so, is easily one of the most hilarious ads I've, I've seen in a while. So that was um, a huge um, and fantastic effort from Leo Burnett, Thailand. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of ads. I do really encourage you to take a look at the list. Um, but the big congratulations goes to our best ad of 2022, which was Gatorade. Love means everything. That was a, a really hard one. I think I actually had to talk about, or I spoke with um, Kaylin Thornton, the CMO of Gatorade at Brand Week. And we included that in a, or that actually that was the reel that they submitted in terms of like some of the most resonant work of the year. And I remember being on stage and being like, we probably should have talked that one through because every time that comes on, I like tear up a little bit. I'm like, uh, I did not anticipate the, the possibility of me tearing up on stage. It is just a really, really emotional one, but it was, it was a clear winner. I, I think in terms of like, which ads really just really struck a chord. Brittany, do you want to talk a little bit more about our choice there, there? Yeah. Cause it's always really difficult. I think with like the top five or the top 10, but then choosing number one, and I was kind of overwhelmed looking at our list, like what should what should be the the top one? And then you just said Gatorade, and it was so obvious. It was like, of course, that's that's definitely <laughs> you know, there's no other contenders. <laughs> yeah, it was just a fantastic um, bit of effort. So, congratulations to Gatorade and TBWA Shiat Day for um, crafting such incredible work and. As we do that look back, I'm really interested in um, knowing Jay Z. Do you? Was there any top ad in terms of like what really hit with social audiences this year? Ooh, that's a good call. Um, the ones that I saw um, achieving the most reach included, um, well, for example, Doja Cat is lightning in a bottle for brands, and her whole partnership with Taco Bell has been. A journey on social from her TikToks talking about her process of writing a jingle and like making fun <laughs> of that whole process has been great. And then the the Grande Escape video that came out of that um, was also excellent. Um, let's see, 
Uh, Ocean Spray obviously got a lot of talk, um, but we discussed that. Um, Netflix's Stranger Things Rift campaign was kind of a surprising one, but it got a lot of talk. Mm. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Cactus Plant Flea Market Meal, um, that was, I, I didn't know anything about that. And so I was like, why does everyone care about this so much? Yeah, because like, you know, I don't leave my house, so I couldn't <laughs> tell you what <laughs> what streetwear brands are like really resonating because I'm not in these streets. Mm. So <laughs> that... So me, that was an opportunity, one, for me to learn about that label, um, learn a little bit more about that and realizing that there's a huge cultural following there. Mm-hmm. And so for McDonald's to be attuned to that and use it as a way to um, not only power nostalgia, but to flex just how um, embedded they are in culture was brilliant. And um, yeah, but, you know, meals... You know, I knew the BTS meal was going to sell out. I wasn't thinking that this was going to sell out, and it, and it did. And now those toys are like on eBay for hundreds of dollars. So, if you have one, you have a mini retirement <laughs> Hold plan. Hold on to that. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to that wow. one. You know, in case the things tank, you've, you've got a small fortune hanging out in uh, your house. So with that, I would love to get your um, sense on like what we think we can sort of look to in the future when it comes to create creative trends based on this list and just sort of our own reporting throughout the year. Do you anticipate that there's going to be a rise in a certain uh, trend or look? And we'll start with you, Brittany. Well, it came up a couple times already, but when we talk about accessibility, the reason we both love Jeep, I think, is that it didn't just use this idea of accessibility as uh, like an add-on. It really was part of the creative idea, and it made Mm -hmm. the ad so much better. And I hope that we'll see a maturation of that and how creatives accept it and, and integrate it into all the work that they do going into the rest of, uh, into next year. And with representation in general, I think the reason I like the Apple ad is because it showed these people who are in the ad, their full range of their personalities and their talents. And they weren't just defined by disability. They were stars in their own right. And I hope that brands will also come around to that and that understanding and really evolve the way that they represent different, different communities. Yeah, absolutely. And Jay-Z, what about you? Is there a trend that you think we're going to see or one that you would like to see? Yeah. So, um, you know, the increasing problem with advertising is that people tune it out and Um, The fact that, you know, we're seeing more AVOD tiers being introduced to Netflix, Disney Plus, things like that that traditionally didn't mean that um, advertisers on those platforms and then those that continue to try to explore with social are going to have to do more to get people's attention. And we saw a lot of people like a lot of uh, advertisers kind of breaking that fourth wall and getting multidimensional with their advertising with like Jeep nodding to people in the uh, in in the. uh, captions and then smile and then Uber Eats with the campaign that we talked about a few weeks ago um, mm-hmm. using uh, Kiki Palmer's horror film, which is actually pretty creepy, and embedding a bunch of coupon codes throughout it. So you kind of have to pay attention to it uh, if you're going mm-hmm. to uh, if you're going to get those deals. Um, I think we'll also continue to see more people like leaning into some of the tactics around. Uh, 
fandom and, I mean, this is nothing new, but nostalgia that we see from um, Maximum Effort. Like, they did a, the, this didn't make the list, but their um, Walking Dead ads were very good for, like, the, the season finale of that, like, leaning into cultural moments. I think we'll see advertisers moving faster on advertising. This is only going to accelerate. We don't have time to talk for six months about an ad. Um, we've got to get mm. it out when it's important and when it's relevant <clears throat> and it'll resonate. Um, I really hope that we'll see more of that like weird, surreal touch that we saw a bit this year. But uh, at some point, that could have diminishing returns as advertisers attempt to out-weird themselves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and that's going to be um, a really interesting tightrope to walk in the year because you can definitely can definitely wade into too weird and you can lose a lot of people but obviously in terms of like creating advertising that you know that people are going to talk about you're going to have to break out of con your conventions and it'll be interesting to see how brands especially brands that you know do have like permanent cultural residency how they're going to be able to connect with younger audiences because just saying that you've been around for hundreds of years or that you are a staple in any regard is not enough like not to you know saddle any brand with not trying i don't think you know there isn't any brand that just isn't trying and advertising is very hard but um i, I think pushing themselves and sort of getting out of this idea that you know just because we've been around for a long time doesn't mean that we have to still vie for an audience I think that as we can see with Ocean Spray, they're going to have to do away with that. Um, I, going back to the Smile campaign, one of the things I think I'm really interested in seeing is sort of a shakeup in film marketing and uh, movie marketing in general, just because, you know, as we see with WB Discovery, large being a sort of tentpole cultural um, standpoint, it does not save you from having your movie done. We've now seen that they are canceling or the, they are shelving um, any efforts for a third Wonder Woman film. They stopped Batgirl. And we can talk about sort of the implications of a lot of that, about how all of these women-led films are suddenly, women-led films are suddenly, oop, we're not doing them anymore. But um, I think that that is going to be a sort of widespread thing, that just being a big budget movie as we go into um, a likely recession is um, is is a hindrance a little bit, and maybe that it could open up the aperture for smaller films like Smile to have an opportunity to have these like major releases. But it's going to take some really clever marketing to spread that awareness because if you don't have a story or like a well-known story to sort of lean on. You're going to have to really amp up the brand awareness there. So having things like Smile where it's like, hey, we just have these actors doing weird things on TV and maybe we don't have to break the bank there could lead to some very interesting opportunities. Um, the I already touched on travel and how it is about going to be it, it is going to be about leaning more into uh, the local value as opposed to having these like sandy white sand beach images that really don't do anything um sort of getting rid of the aspirational and tapping more into the real there is going to be really really key and um lastly i think i'm just really excited to see like how people uh do different things with out of home one of the unexpected ones and this is another one that we're like 
I'm not sure how many people saw it, saw it, but it was really brilliant. Can't speak. It was really brilliant. Was um um Oshle mannequin spectators, and that was um out from Fahrenheit DDB um out in Peru, where uh, theaters weren't able to sell all of their tickets because they had to have distance um, for safety reasons. So like because they had to like knock out a third of their usual audience presence, there were all these empty seats and, you know, they still had to figure out a way to make up that revenue uh, because they had to pay their actors. So they turned those into billboards, essentially. They turned those empty seats into mannequin displays, shoppable mannequin displays, where um, people could get to know this uh, store and they could scan it. They could scan the barcode and it would take them to the store site and could take um, it could help them learn more about this piece of clothing that they could instantly buy from their seat if they were interested. So seeing a little bit more of that out of home, I think is going to be really interesting in the coming year. So yeah, there's a lot that we can look forward to. Um, but after, but a break before we, <laughs> before we do all of that, because I need to not look at ads for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Christmas. Time to recharge. Yeah, time to <laughs> recharge. But this was a really um, great effort from all, from all. So thank you all to, thank you so much to every agency and brand that really just turned out excellent work. Um, to conclude, I have a fun one. So for each of us, let's make up a superlative for an ad and award it on the spot. So I'm going to give you the freedom to tell me what that superlative superlative is and who you would award it to. Jay-Z. Oh, no. You, this, is, <laughs> this should be your wheelhouse, I feel like. It should be, but that requires me to be quickly creative. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to say, um, let's see, uh, the... Steve Burns ad is uh, from Maximum Effort for um, oh my goodness what what was the brand it's uh, the Fluckload Flock Freight Flock Freight that's right that yeah. ad is um, the most likely to ruin your childhood <laughs> <laughs> or enhance it or enhance it <laughs> you know, I, mean, you know, I don't I don't freight shame. <laughs> Steve Burns Investigates was one of my favorites to um, so cover good. this year. I honestly it love just, that video. It's excellent. It's just so, it, and it's also still so wholesome. Like, mm-hmm. he just has this very, like, childlike curiosity about right. the terms fuckload and shitload. And, like, I legitimately learned something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, like, weirdly wholesome. But yes, <laughs> most likely to ruin. Um, or enhance your childhood depending on who you are. That is a good one. Brittany, what about you? Okay, I would say the most likely to put you off ever going camping is (laughs) Twix Camping, I think is the title. (laughs) Um, It's just a classic funny ad, and it uses dark humor, but... It's lighthearted and it's about, you know, two bears who are eyeing up a snack as two humans eye up their snack, which is a Twix bar. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know if you'll ever look at camping and bears the same way again. (laughs) That was a a very good one. I think that was like DDB Chicago that did that one, right? DDB Chicago and Adam and Eve DDB. 
that was a fantastic one. Yes, darkly humorous. That was a weird trend too. Everyone was like, we're going to be darkly humorous and we're going to use bears because <laughs> Wandering Bear Coffee had a really good one this year that um, I actually almost considered for this list um, because it had a really great social strategy or to answer to a problem due to a, what was a waning social strategy rather. So, but yeah, that was also one that featured um, talking bears. Like, I didn't this know is... that talking bears were a big trend. Right? <laughs> Our next insight piece. <laughs> everyone... Bearing all on the talking bear. See, <laughs> so you, you can be, be creative on the spot. What do you mean? You gotta be creative on the spot. You're creative on the spot all the time. <laughs> My superlative um, is called best ad that you can't think about in public or else you burst into tears. And that um, you would think that goes to um, Love is Everything, which, you know, obviously that was a very touching one. But I would actually like to award that one to In Love We Trust Too from Sydney Realty. That was another one um, out of the Dentsu house, Dentsu MB Taiwan did that one. It was a follow-up to one of my favorite ads from last year in Love We Trust. It was the second look at this couple as they sort of um, consider what it means to be a family. And it really touched on some really real um, issues in terms of like when you meet your person, when you meet your someone, there's still a lot of calibration that um, it goes there. Like, do we have kids? Do we not have kids? What happens when one person um, is, you know, in one form of thought and the other person is on a completely different page and, um, ending with this idea that, you know, families can actually look like anything and that we don't necessarily have to rely on this idea of, of having children is really, it was just really, really, um, sentimental and cool. And I don't know why Tensu MB Taiwan is so good at, uh, making me ball in the middle of a public shopping line, but they do. And so, yeah, this was a really, really good one. And um, I'm excited that we were able to have it on the list. I think next year, if we, as if we will not have enough work, we should pull together like a fun superlatives list. Yeah. Let's start thinking about it now. <laughs> Let's start thinking about it now. I'm going to put an hour on our calendar um, <laughs> that will balloon into seven and a half. As <laughs> we come up with the best superlative for this one. <laughs> Very nice. Well, you know, thank you both for joining me on what is what is my favorite conversation of the year. I, again, I feel like I lied on the last episode. and was like, it's of the year's a favorite. It is. It is. But as of the year is also our favorite. So I say that so the gyms won't kill me. But um, yeah, thank you so much to Brittany and Jay-Z for joining me on this incredible, incredible episode. Thanks, thank Shannon. Shannon. This is awesome. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.